Hi, it's Rebecca Whitman, your host of the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. I'm a top-rated life coach, an international best-selling author, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I'm on a mission to help you go from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. The experts on this show will help you achieve work-life balance so that you can experience abundance in seven pillars of life, spirituality, health, emotions, romance, mindset, social, and financial life. When you have all seven pillars of life in alignment, you are balanced, beautiful, and abundant. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant show. I'm your host, Rebecca Whitman. We are taking you from burned out and overwhelmed to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. Today, we have an amazing guest. Welcome to the show, Judy Weber. Hi there. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a joy to be here. It's so great to have you on the show. And I love how we met, how fate just brought us together through Facebook Messenger And now we're about to have an incredible conversation. So I love how things just work out. God works in our life in such beautiful ways. So let me tell my audience a little bit about your amazing background. You have done it all. So (laughs) Judy is a business coach and a scaling strategist for women. She prior to coaching, Judy was a corporate attorney and a C-suite exec. And I think you told me in our first conversation, an interior designer too, right? That was my first business, interior design. That's right. Yeah. So you have really done it all. Judy (laughs) is committed. And I love this. I love this declaration because when we declare, it happens. Judy is committed to helping a thousand women make their first hundred K by 2025. And she's actually, yeah, and a hundred women scaled to seven figures by 2025. That's incredible. Mm. Judy is the founder and host of the globally ranked Joyful Scaling podcast, which I'm so excited to be on in the near future. And she is sought after keynote speaker. So tell us your story, Judy. How did you go from a small town girl to a serial entrepreneur and now a woman on a mission to empower so many women to reach six and seven figure financial goals. Yeah. Well, we talked, uh, we talked before we went on air that my I'm 57. There's lots of twists and turns to get there, but yeah. very briefly, I'm baby number five of six, small town girl, poor family. We only had one bathroom. <laughs> Even though there was eight of us. Up? Where did you grow up? Um, a suburb of a suburb of Philadelphia. Okay, cool. Yeah. And um, anyway, it's just so fun when I think about I had no air conditioning in my house, no air conditioning in my car. And now if we didn't have that, everybody's like, what? But yeah, so it was very simple. But you know, even when I was a little girl, Rebecca, I remember saying to my mom when I was about four, mommy, I think God told me I'm going to do something important. And then later I said, you know what, mommy, I'm going to be a millionaire. And I remember mom, like we were, we were like paycheck to paycheck. Dad was a factory worker. And mom stayed home. And so she's like, okay, Judy, you know, but you know, it's funny. Mom didn't believe that. But yet my mother was the one that was like, Judy, people are leaders or followers. I want you to be a leader. I want you to be a leader, you know? And so she um, taught me about like women's advocacy and don't be relying on a man. Even though my dad was a good man, their marriage was horrible. Anyway, long story there. But anyway, so 
I knew I wanted to go to college, but people like me, poor folk, we didn't go to college. So many people. It's so funny. The world out there says people like me. Oh, believe me, people like me. I mean, if you see where I come from, it's like, what? Where did you come from? But I went to college. And then my senior year of college, I wanted, I always wanted to be a lawyer. I watched those movies and, and the ladies in their stilettos and their really fancy suits and in New York, and they had the big glass, you know, windows in the office. And I'm like, oh, I would love that. But I, again, I didn't think people like me could be a lawyer. So anyway, graduate college and um, I went for music education. So I thought easy to find a teacher job. I graduated at the top of the class. Nope, not on the East Coast. Anyway, long story short, so I couldn't find a teaching job. So I started working at Macy's as commission sales. And then I got promoted to manager. And so I was traveling to Manhattan once a quarter to talk to the buyers. It was so much fun. And I was like 21, 22 years old. It was insane. Um, but then I'm like, oh, I'm good at this sales thing. Let me go outside sales. So ultimately, I worked for Dictaphone which is the recorders for attorneys. And I remember when I was about 25, so this is a couple of years later, I, it was a Friday night, <clears throat> my last appointment of the day. And this guy was an idiot. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude, but I, I remember leaving his office and I'm like, if that guy can graduate law school, I know I can, I'm going. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to pay for it, <laughs> but I'm going to go. So went to Villanova, graduated, you know, in the top 10, got a really great job. <clears throat> okay. Now it's going to be rushed through. I got pregnant four months in. So all of a sudden blacklisted, no partnership for Judy. And this is 1995. This isn't like eons ago, but I'm telling you, it was just, it was unbelievable. So I uh, had baby one, baby two, baby three. And I left the practice of law because I wanted to raise my kids. But here's the funny thing. <clears throat> Within two weeks, I think you'll relate to this. Within two weeks of being home, I called my mom and I cried. I said, mom, this is so hard. <laughs> this is harder than any case I ever did. Um, but shortly after that, I got my real estate license. So I was a full-time mommy and I was a part-time realtor. Um, okay, now we're going to fast forward many years later and marriage is breaking up. So then I went back to the law full-time, became a single mama, you know, working in the burbs of Philly, traveling to Philadelphia for trial, got to be a lot, lot, lot. Um, remarried and ended up going in-house as the general counsel and uh, director of HR of an international company, multi-million dollar company. It was so good. I loved everybody there, Rebecca, except the boss. He was a male chauvinist a-hole. I mean, really, he was horrible. You couldn't please the man no matter what. Um, that is when I decided that's it. I'm going to go into business for myself as a coach, as a business coach. And I never look back. <laughs> that is a beautiful story. And how, so how many years ago did you launch your coaching business? 2017. So just had a five year anniversary. It's insane. Yeah. Congratulations. And how did you decide that you wanted to make it your mission to empower women financially? Why? Why is it so important to you for women to be financially empowered? I love this question. Let me tell you something. I, as, as you know, I'm a Jesus lover, first and foremost. Right. The second thing about me is I'm a women's advocate. Yeah. I support any and every woman I meet. And when I see another woman win, thank you, God. I mean, when one wins, we all win. And yeah. so, no, especially from my background, my mom was super, super smart. But because of things that happened in her life, 
she, I feel like she had a lot of untapped potential. She didn't think she could do it. Just like me. I didn't think people like me could do half the things that I've already accomplished, but only by God's grace. Right. So, so, but I'm really committed to showing women, do you think you can't do it? Well, who am I? Like, don't look at me like I'm some special whatever, because I'm nobody. And if this nobody can do what I've done, and this is only the beginning, um, imagine what you can do. I wished I could talk to my 20-year-old self and say, do it now. Just jump. Just jump. You would tell her to what? Jump into being an entrepreneur, not to go to law school or real estate school? Well, that's interesting. I didn't have to go to real estate school because of my um, time in law school. I just had to pass the test. But in my law school education, I will tell you, Rebecca, that's where that's where it taught me. They taught me to think and use my brain Mm -hmm. and really tap into. I, I firmly believe that we only use a fraction of our brains. Yeah. And so I I love that I went to law school because I'm using that decision making and brain power every single day. But I would say, especially now with the internet, back then, I mean, it wasn't a thing. But now in these days, there is nothing stopping anyone, especially the women out there, no matter if you have kiddos at home or anything else, there are so many ways to make money. And it's not about making money, but it's serving. But hey, if you give good value, why shouldn't you be well compensated? That's right. I love that. It is about serving and you also do deserve to get paid for your your servant's heart and for your work. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So this is the title of the show. So let's get into it. What are the only three strategies you need to scale your business? I'm so excited to hear about these. (laughs) This is so good. Okay. So as anyone in business knows, there are always a million things we could do. Okay. Now, this is where my lawyer brain, just let me give this brief introduction. My lawyer brain, that is where I honed the ability to take the complex and make it very simple. I was a medical malpractice defense attorney. So people would come in and have these horrible results and they'd sue the doctor. They'd sue every doctor that ever touched them. And then we'd have to go through piles and piles of medical records. And we have to kind of dummy it down so that the judge and the jury can understand what the heck's going on. So I I took that ability that I became really great at taking something hard and making it simple to business. And so, ladies and gentlemen, the only three strategies you need to scale are these. Number one, a breakthrough strategy. What is that? That's really value across all of the um, aspects of business, which are marketing, sales, and delivery. So the breakthrough is what is the one go-to marketing strategy? Like we have to focus. We can't be everywhere. We can't be everything to everyone. So we've got to be very tailored with our marketing. What Where we're showing up, our messaging has to be tight. So that's one aspect of the breakthrough strategy. And then sales. A lot of women don't like sales. They hate sales. They get scared of it. But sales, as you know, Rebecca, it's all about serving. It truly, truly is. And when you believe in you and your ability to help someone, I mean, you'd be doing them a disservice by not sharing it. So there's that. And then finally, delivery. Great. Once they're your client, what are you going to do to make sure that they get results? You know, I I love to, you know, my goal is to provide 100% results 100% of the time. So the marketing, sales, and delivery, that's the breakthrough strategy. That's the first one. Mm -hmm. And the second one is the operations strategy. 
Now, I find that a lot of a lot of women, a lot of entrepreneurs, especially women, we're visionaries. We got tons of ideas. And I'll admit, until recently, like in the last year or two, I am not an operationally thinking person. Like I don't really think back end. So again, I had to take my brain and say, this feels really hard. How am I going to simplify it? So we talk about team when it comes to operations. We talk about automation and we talk about SOPs, the standard operating procedures. And it's really quite simple, especially the way I describe it. So again, the first strategy, breakthrough. Second strategy, operations. The third one is the real fun one. I call that the profit strategy. That's your numbers. That is your long-term goal setting, and it's your strategic initiatives like collaborations, referrals, affiliates, things like that. So lots of different ways that we want to, you know, so many times, Rebecca, I'll, I'll finish it here. So many times in business, there's all this emphasis on revenue. Mm-hmm. I know seven-figure companies, but their profit is like 200 maybe 250 because they have these massive teams. So for me, it's not really just about the revenue. It's about the profit. And that's what that third strategy is all about. So breakthrough, ops, and profit. Those are the strategies. Let's talk about ops because uh, operation, because my mind's kind of like yours. I'm more right brain, big concepts, emotional. How do we delegate these uh, very analytical uh, minutia type tasks to people? Do you recommend that people hire a VA? Do you recommend that people get certain software? How can we, how can we break that down? Cause I know your strat, your overall message is all about simplicity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I are more, more tangible for women. Yeah, that's great. And so I, I, I'm a little uncon, well, I'm, I am very unconventional on my approach to things. I don't necessarily think a VA should be your first hire. Okay. And a mistake that I see women make is that they're thinking of their team generally as an expense as opposed to an investment. Because the way I teach my clients to hire in my Joyful Scaling Mastermind is that as you hire, you attach KPIs to their activities. And so when they perform to the standard that you set in that key KPI, the key performance indicators, then what they're doing is driving revenue so that if you're paying them, I don't know, 20 bucks an hour, but at the end of the week, they bring in even one client and that's a $5,000 client, then they're really not costing you things. What they're doing is actually bringing money in. So that's the first thing. And and I'll say this, I want to give you an example of a KPI. I think this might be helpful. A KPI for a social media manager, which I think is another mistake. I don't think a social media manager is going to be the answer to people's prayers, okay? That's not going to necessarily give you what you want, but I want to use this as an example. I see so many hiring a social media manager And they're like, when I ask them, well, what's the KPI did you attach to their work? They go, what do you mean? Well, they're an independent contractor. I don't get to do that. Yes, you do. And so it's it's not, I will post five times a day and I will engage whatever, whatever. No, no, no. It's how many leads are you going to get? Or how many consults will you produce from your work? So that it's not just a check the box. 
It is, I'm doing these things in order to generate a consult or in order to generate a qualified lead. So that's an example of a KPI. So it's really just thinking, um, you know, I've never met a woman that's not super smart, that's an entrepreneur. So when you look at it that way, it's like, oh, okay, it's not rocket science to figure out a KPI. I just have to think about what drives revenue in my business and how can the VA help with that? How can the social media manager help with that? How can everybody on the team? you know, be a part of that. That's, that's wonderful. I, I think it's great. So you're saying don't necessarily delegate to a VA, like find someone who is a little bit more expensive, but has more experience and they're worth the money because they're going to help you produce faster and better results. Yes. But, and I, I just want to make clear, I'm not necessarily proposing that you hire um, a social media manager. Here's what I said say to my clients in the mastermind. I say, I want you to divide all of your tasks into one of three buckets, like things I'm doing that are CEO that I have to do. Mm -hmm. The second one is things that I can't stand doing. I'm not good at. I want to delegate just like brain dumping. Okay. And then the third bucket, if you will, is things that you, that aren't CEO, but you love them. Like for me, that's Canva. Like I love to doodle in Canva. But that's not really a CEO activity. So then when you brain dump these three buckets, then take that last one and then you just have to decide, am I going to keep it? Is that a task I'm going to keep or am I going to delegate it? Okay, that's step one. Step two then is the ones that are delegated, uh, I want you to find patterns like like, like associate skill sets together to determine, you know, it, are, are these tasks that need to be done really VA or are they more tech VA or are they more creative, like maybe um, copywriting or, um, you know, social media design, graphic design, things like that. And then only then after all of that, Rebecca, can you really look at it and say, OK, I don't need a 40 an hour a week VA. I only need 10 hour a week VA and a 10 hour a week, you know, whatever. So I hope that makes sense. Yes, got it. And speaking of sales, I know that it said in your bio that you help women achieve an 80% closing rate. So give us some of your sales tips. Yes. Ah, sales conversations should feel like what you and I are doing right now. There's no pressure. It is you as the entrepreneur really getting to know the other person so that you can serve them even on the call. And I don't mean giving free advice and I don't mean, you know, allowing them to pick your brain, but how we serve is how we really help them to understand their own brain, right? So that as an example, a lot of people who are, you know, in the earlier stages of business, they feel overwhelmed, overworked. Uh, Sometimes it feels like nothing's working or it's working inconsistently, And they go through these bouts of, yay, a client came. And then they go through the thing of, oh my gosh, should I just quit? So, you know, it's one of these things where you have to ask the right questions on the call so that you can really get to know them. Well, how did they define the problem? How are they describing it? And how are they describing what they want? And then you tap into saying, okay, great. I understand your problem. And now I see what's been missing in light of what you just told me. And then you become like the doctor, the diagnoser. 
where you can say, oh, this is missing. Let me tell you about my, in my example, the Joyful Scaling Mastermind. These are the three things we focus on, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, so you really, it's about asking asking more questions than you're speaking. An early sales manager said, hey, Jude, you got one mouth and two ears. Use them in proportion. I actually said that in my book. I, I I heard that too. And I agree asking questions and active listening. And I feel like on sales calls, we should be listening 90% of the time. Yes. Yes. And, and see when someone, how we, and I was just on my, um, on a group uh, coaching call right before this, I was telling my clients, you know what, your people that you're talking to on your sales conversations, your consults, they will tell you what they need to say yes. Yes. If you ask the right questions and if you're listening and if you're feeding that back to them, well, you told me you're really committed to your business and I've shown you this process. So now you're acting like you're not sure. Where? Where are you? Like, what do you think is missing? Just having a real candid, honest conversation. No pressure. Because if you don't get the sale, that's not an issue that the goal, I will say this and I'll be quiet for a second. The goal of a sales consult is to get a yes or no. Mm. Yes or no. It's to help them to reach a decision. Okay. So when we become attached to that, I need this sale, you know, it's like that desperate energy. It's going to come through whether you try to hide it or not. So we really have to come through with the idea that I'm going to love this person. I'm going to serve this person. I'm going to hopefully give them a breakthrough because I'm going to help them see where their own brain might be blocking them from where they want to go. So if the goal is to get a decision, how do you overcome the objection? I need to think about it. Hmm, that's so good. Listen, sometimes, you know, sometimes the person will be like, I love you, but I need to think that's just the kind of person I am. But what I tell my clients is, um, I kind of push and then pull back. And I do this as a lawyer too. You kind of push and then pull back. So it's not pushy in a bad way, but I, but I ask questions. So if they would say that, I might say something like, Hmm, that's interesting. And then I, again, would go back to what I've written down, what they've told me. And I'd say, okay, you told me ABC, but now you're saying you need to think. So let's, let's, let's just spend a moment if we can about this. What exactly are you going to be thinking about? And here's the key, being quiet. Hmm, exactly. Oh, allowing that silence. Yeah. So, you know, and sometimes they will just sit there and you just sit there and smile. And let them go. And then, you know, at some point you might say, all right, so um, what are your thoughts? Just like, but at some point, if they go, Jude, look, this is not happening today. Then I say, great, let's get out our phones. And let's, let's see. Um, how long do you think that's going to take for you to think? A day, two days, a week? And then great. Okay. Let's, let's pick a time to come back. Now they could ghost you. Right. At least you have you said this is my policy we set the next time because i really want to you know wrap this up in a pretty bow whether you say yes or no this is how i operate that's that's great advice so the point of this show is we're we're empowering women to go from overwhelmed and burned out to balanced beautiful and abundant so i know you're going to have a very powerful answer to this question how do you grow your business by doing less? Mm, yeah. You know, there's something I call the power of one. The power of one. 
one offer, Mm -hmm. one price point, one best, well, I'm, I'm doing all my numbers, but it's all one, one offer, one best client, one price point for all. That's it. You see, um, some of these marketing gurus and the ones that have millions and millions of followers, they have this value ladder. They, and I'm talking in particular about, about coaching consultants, experts, right? Not product-based because I deal with service-based businesses. But when you have products ranging from $27 to like $20,000, that's kind of crazy. And the gurus will say, oh, well, the $27, when you help them, they may get up to the $20,000. let us be real. A person that's going to buy $27 will rarely open up their wallet for a $20,000. So for me, it's like decide who you want to work with. Who will you work with? And, 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 and part of that is also being bold enough to say, this is my specialty. Right? I don't work with just everybody. I've defined who my best client is. And it definitely is not the world. It's not even all women, right? So we need to be really um, unapologetically bold enough and courageous enough to start there. Who is my one best client? Who are they? You know, what type of person are they? Um, What is their price range? Where do they live if that's relevant? That kind of thing. So one best client and one offer. Um, and, And so I advise my clients, even in the earlier stages of business, to price it higher. And why is that? Yeah. Now they might be afraid. They're like, oh, I don't know. I'm just starting out. Hang on a second. Can you get results? Yes. Okay. Tell me what results you get. Even if you aren't certified, which by the way, coaches and experts, you do not necessarily need certification. People need to get results. So, you know, if if you can get results, let's say you're into weight loss. And, and, and actually, I've worked with some people in network marketing who, you know, they have these products and I'm like, you're leaving so much money on the table. Why don't you bundle up products? with coaching (laughs) and and charge a couple of thousand dollars for that. But, you know, if you can help someone lose 20 pounds forever, and what's the value of that? And sometimes they go, well, Judy, I can't really put an amount to it. Just think about it. What Again, thinking about your best client, what will that mean to her? Not just today, but 10 years from now and 20 years from now. That's like priceless. Yeah. If somebody can't get off the baby weight and they're really starting to feel like not sexy for their husband, it's impacting their relationship. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's everywhere. Their confidence, you know, we have to really objectively look at the value of our expertise. And it has very little to do with how long we've actually professionally been doing it. It's all about the results. I love that. And what would you say to the person who says, well, there's so much free content, there's free podcasts, there's free YouTube videos, there's, you know, free summits, you know, why, why would I pay you, you know, X amount to help me achieve Y result when there's so much free content? What would you say to that? You know why I'm laughing? Because to me, it's so clear. And I know, you know, in the earlier days of my business, I didn't even see it. Who has time Yes. Search all these different places. Yes, we have free resources, but your time is so valuable. And so what you get from someone working, you know, with me or you or somebody that really has pulled it all together is I keep you focused. 
Yes. In there, done that. And so the value of that is like, it's like priceless. So that, yes, you could look all these different places. You're only going to be confused. I always say, you're like a horse with blinders, okay? We don't look to the left. We don't look to the right. This is what you're doing. Follow my process. It works. Yes, it's focus. And I think it's also accountability. Because I have personally bought some of those very inexpensive self-study, self-study courses with tons of video modules. And did I finish them? No, because there was no nobody does. Nobody does, right? There's so many people who are buying courses that are self-study and they never finish them because there's nobody holding them accountable. Like, well, we have gone to uh, high school and college. And, you know, for those who went to graduate school, graduate school, if there was no professor, no exams, no tests. I mean, I think it, having a coach for accountability is so important. So, yes, accountability, saving time and focus. Yes. And I want to say to me, when I think of accountability, you're, you're straight on there. I like to think of it as support. For example, yes. I've been in, I've spent upwards of $200,000 in coaching. I kid you not. Uh, and so I've been pretty much with all the ones everybody knows about and everything in between the cheaper courses and the higher level masterminds. And what I committed myself to doing is providing real support. Like I remember my very first coaching program and he is making tons and tons of money right now. He, he's always advertising on Facebook and, you know, they promise, you know, here, submit your blah, blah, blah copy and we'll review it. Everything I submitted, I just got a rubber stamp. They said, great job, Judy. Go on to the next one. And I'm like, what the heck am I paying your money for? Like, I don't like, like virtually no advice, no edits. And I'm just like, wait a minute, I don't have all this. Or if I did, I shouldn't have come to you. What I do, if somebody has a question, I don't just have a cursory little answer. I do a video feedback. If they say, hey, Jude, what do you think of this page? Read my messaging, this and that. I'm very detailed. It's that level of customized support that, as you said, really will get you to that next level when things really start clicking for you. Yes, I love that customized support and someone who really knows you well, because when you sign up for these huge group coaching programs, you don't get to know your coach and they don't get to know you. It's it's very impersonal. And even if you're on a Zoom with, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 people, that coach doesn't really know you and how to motivate you and how to make you Excel. So I think it's very true. Uh, personal support is also a wonderful aspect of hiring a coach. So let's talk about your brain. I know people who listen to podcasts, some of you guys are listening to this on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, and you are all the top 10% of the people who want to expand their learning, expand their brain. I am wondering why do you say your brain is your most valuable business asset? Because think about what we do in business, Rebecca, we're creating something from nothing. And so where did that idea come from? Boom, right here. And what makes me as a business coach different than any other business coach? My brain, which which remembers my experiences, my education, my everything. And so what I find, what I really like to um, ask my clients is, I love that you're working with me, but I'm building your brain. Here's what I say to them. I said, you see this? 
This looks like somebody working out, but this is the power of my brain. I don't have big muscles, but my brain is super powerful. And why it is, is because when I have questions and as entrepreneurs, decisions have to be made every day, questions come up, problems come up. The knee-jerk reaction to most people when a problem comes up is <clears throat> like they like freak out and, oh my gosh, it's the worst thing. I'm going to die, whatever. But I, I, I learned to take problems in stride because I know whatever it is, I can figure it out. Nothing scares me anymore. And it's kind of scares me to even say that, but like maybe, maybe 1%, I don't know what would, maybe a world who knows catastrophe, but, but very little scares me because I know that my brain, and I can tell you, everybody's brain is an entrepreneur. You are smarter than you know. You've got more answers than you realize. And too often we look outside of ourselves. Oh, what does he say? What does she say? What do they say? Wait a minute. Go to your own brain and, and go there first. And the more you do that, the more powerful your brain will be. And before long, you're like, wow, well, figure that out. That was no big deal. So the more we really fuel that. And one more thing I tell my clients, you know what? Some coaches want to make you dependent on them. Yeah. No, no. I want you to learn how to deal with problems. If a problem comes up, here's what I say to them. This is another big thing about mindset. If a problem comes up, most people say, uh-oh, what should I do now? No, no, no. I tell my clients, go to your brain and say, what should I be thinking right now first? Like, what should I be thinking right now? Like, I can do this. This is cool. I got it. No worries. Instead of going right to the, what should I do? Your initial thing in problem solving is, what should I be thinking right now? Huge. I love nobody, that. Nobody tells you that. Yeah. And I would like to even go even deeper. How should I be being right now? Like, how would I need to be if I already was successful? How would I be being? Would I be confident? Would I be competent? Would I be in faith, not fear? So what should I be thinking? How would I be being if I was already at the goal that I wanted to achieve? Because I believe it's not have, do, be. It's be, then do, and then have. Amen. I'm with you. Amen. Well, I know you have an exciting event coming up. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I have a five-day event. It is called the Build Your Six-Figure Faith-Fueled Business event. It starts June 5th. I have a private Facebook group where everything's going to be housed there. Um, there's going to be, um, it's, it, it's the nuts and bolts of building a business and scaling it. So uh, I'm going to drop the link for Thank you for you know allowing me to do that in your show notes. But anybody that is serious about business, not tire kickers, not the maybe I'll try. These are the entrepreneurs that know that they are serious about building their business and they want to do it in a way that's built on joy and simplicity and based on their faith. So again, it's called Build Your Six-Figure Faith-Fueled Business. Is that virtual or in person? Oh, that's going to be, it's going to be virtual via the Facebook group. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be going live every day, the week of June 5th at, I think I said 2 p.m. Eastern, I think. (laughs) So, so uh, click the link that you're going to see in the show notes and you'll get all the details. Amazing. So how do you find work-life balance? What does balance look like for you since we are on the Balance Beautiful and Abundant show? Yeah. I just want to say one more thing before I answer that. If I may, I want to go back to something you said about the B. Yeah. 
I think the most important thing about success in business is not even who you are, but who you believe you are. Mm, yeah. So your point, yes. it's about who am I? Mm-hmm. And I think women, we are so self-deprecating. Me too. It's so funny. As a woman, I'm totally self-deprecating. Like I've had bad relationships with men. So that's a whole other story. So as a woman, I've got issues. But as a professional, I know who I am. I am a powerhouse. I serve like nobody else. And uh, my clients get results like nobody else. But that's the conviction that you need and the belief. It's about who do you believe yourself to be? So that's really something I wanted to really go in. So I loved your idea of the be, do, have. Perfect. Um, so what was the question? I'm sorry. Now I lost the question. <laughs> I'm sorry. The question was, uh, God, I lost it too. Oh, balance. The balance. The balance. How do you okay. find balance in your life? Yes. I just came back from a vacation. The three most amazing men in my life are my children who are the loves of my life. And we had so much fun in my favorite place, Rosemary Beach, Florida. Um, it was just, it's just so much fun. So, so that's a special time away. But on the regular, for me, I wake up, I get my coffee, I spend my hour with the Lord. Um, throughout the day, I take breaks, I take walks. I um, One thing I'm bad at, Maybe I need accountability. So maybe you, Rebecca, or, or other people listening, I need to exercise more. Oh, I, yeah, I can help you with that. Yeah, yeah. I need to get out and exercise more. But it's like at a certain time, you decide I'm done for the day because work will never be done. So it's really, again, being intentional, intentional with your time, with your calendar, and understanding that you've got to be the product of your product or nobody will want to work with you. It'll be evident. That is for sure. And as entrepreneurs, there's always 20,000 things to do at the end of the day. We get to have the self-discipline to say, okay, that's it. I'm I'm switching gears toward, you know, being a friend, being a wife, being a mom, being a, a girlfriend or whatever, and uh, take off that entrepreneur business hat and and switch into, you know, a different, a different uh, role in our lives. We really need that unapologetically again. Right. I mean, again, I don't have, it's just me and my husband living here. So, you know, it's easy for me to just work too much. So I've got to be intentional about that. But for those watching that may have, you know, children in the home, you know, just be fully present with them and know the work will be fine. And when you're at work, be fully into the work. And so again, it's, it's, it's being intentional with that calendar. We can't straddle multitasking. God gave us the ability to do it, but it's not, it's not a good way to live. It's just not. Yeah. I believe in monotasking too. People think that because I'm espousing balance that I think, you know, you should do 10 things at once. It's like, no, when you're, when you're in work mode, you're pedal to the metal focused. And when you're in mom or wife or sister or friend mode, you're focused on the person in front of you. You're not like checking your phone and half in and half out. So I agree being focused and present is the biggest gift we could give anyone. So Judy, this has been a great conversation. I know my listeners are going to want to stay in touch with you. Where can they find you online? What is the best way for them to stay in touch with you? Sure. I appreciate that. Well, let's go to judyweber.co, not.com, judyweber.co, or I'm also Judy Weber Co. 
everywhere on social, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And I can't wait to interview you for my show. (laughs) It's going to be a great conversation. I know. I'm so excited to be on your show. Everyone, thank you for listening to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant show. My name is Rebecca Whitman. I'm your host, taking you from overwhelmed, stressed out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. If you found value in this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would take a screenshot, tag me in your Instagram story. I will reshare the story. Leave me a five-star review. This is how we teach people about the podcast and show people that they don't have to live life in exhaustion and overwhelm. They can be living that balanced, beautiful, and abundant life too. So thank you for another wonderful episode, and we will see you next week with another amazing guest. Until I see you again, keep your vibe high and magnetize. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant show. Please rate, subscribe, and review this podcast. If you or someone you know feel stuck and needs more abundance and balance in their life, please go to my link tree in the show notes to schedule your complimentary breakthrough call. I look forward to hearing from you and we'll see you on the next podcast episode.